Okay, everyone, Emily Abadi here bringing you another installment of Hurdle Moment from Hurdle. Today, I am chatting with the ever lovely Colleen Quigley, known to so many as her Instagram name, Steeple Squigs. Colleen is a professional runner and Olympian, and she has, if you've been paying attention and a hurdler for some time, been on the show before. To check out her first episode all about her backstory, head on over to the show notes. Today, we are talking about the different types of runs. That's right there's more than one way to run. Whether you're a newbie or a veteran, you can benefit from integrating these different types of runs into your routine. We're talking base running, those regular miles, long running, recovery running, tempo running, and interval running, breaking down what is the difference between all of those in an episode that, I'm not gonna lie, has been a long time coming and also highly requested. Today, I'm putting on my certified run coach hat along with the help of Colleen to break down all of the details. And regardless of your fitness goals, all of these different types of runs can belong somewhere in your regular routine. I love having this combo with Colleen because I think, you know, she brings that veteran, super experienced perspective. When she talks about the workouts she's doing, I am sitting here like just in complete amazement. I kind of bring it back down to the everyday runner, sometimes even the hobby jogger. I want everyone to feel like they can use this information to better their running, maybe to level up their running. And I'm here to give you the extra boost of confidence you may need to know that you can try it all. I'm super excited to announce today that I have selected the next Hurdle Book Club pick. It's going to be The Art of Gathering by Priya Parker. I have to admit, this is something that I have wanted to read for a long time and I'm excited to chat about it next month. In the show notes, there is a Google forum for you to sign up for the book club and I'll be letting y'all know what date we are gonna get together for that in the coming weeks. I love, 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 love connecting with all of you over on Instagram and social media. So please make sure you are following Hurdle over at Hurdle Podcast. I am over at Emily Abadi and make sure you are a member of The Secret Hurdlers Facebook group. Last but not least, subscribe to the weekly Hurdle newsletter. I love connecting with you in another way that I love to communicate regularly, hitting your inbox every single Friday. With that, let's get to hurdling. Today, I'm chatting with Colleen Quigley. She is an Olympian, a pro athlete, a, you know what, a friend of mine. It's been so long since we've caught up. How are you doing? Oh, thank you. I'm doing, I'm doing well. Definitely have some big life changes and we haven't really talked about, you know, everything lately. So looking forward to catching up and talking about running. I know. So for those of the hurdlers who may not be in the loop with you, you recently announced that you were stepping aside from the Barrowman Track Club. Do you have anything that you can let us in on? Yeah. So it's all very in flux at the moment, which is so hard for me and my followers because they all want to know what's happening. And I can only share what I can share. But what I can share is that um, at the end of uh, 2020, I was in negotiations with Nike for a new contract. 
because mine was expiring and we just, you know, just couldn't come to terms on what we felt like both parties needed. So instead of taking kind of less than what I felt like I was worth, I just decided to step away and say, actually, I think, you know, it's been an amazing five and a half years. I really have enjoyed the time I've spent there, but I think it's time to, you know, seek new horizons and just figure out what else is out there, what other opportunities I might have and see where we can go. So unfortunately, that means that if I'm not sponsored by Nike, I also can no longer train with the Barman Track Club, which has, that was the hardest part, um, of course, was my training partners, my coach, my safe zone, my comfort zone um, is definitely all there. And so leaving them and stepping away from that has been really hard. But, you know, I think I just have faith that something else even bigger is coming. And in order to step into that, I have to let go of what has been so comfortable for so many years. So it's hard, but exciting. Um, I can share my new coach is Josh Seitz, who was my coach my senior year of college. And he's just a really amazing person and then just a really trusted friend of mine has been ever since I graduated. And so I am really excited to work with him uh, moving forward too. Um, and then as far as sponsors, that's the last thing that's in the works, still talking with a few different companies um, and haven't figured that part out, but that's the last piece of the puzzle that I hope to be sharing in the next couple of weeks. I love this for you. I love the the mystique. I was like, are we going to get some like crazy news? What's going on? I feel like everyone like on all the conspiracy websites like has some big theory. I can't even imagine like what how you feel when you're reading that kind of stuff. Oh, I just laugh. Like they all think they know what's happening and they're all wrong. I'm like laughing because <laughs> they just say it with such authority, you know, like she's doing this. She's going to be sponsored by this person. She's training here. I'm like, none of that is right. You're 0% right, but go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) For more backstory on Colleen, we won't get into all of it today, but you can listen to our first ever recording together, episode 30. I'll make sure to link to that in the show notes. It feels like an eternity since we talked. We were sitting in that recording studio at the Nike campus, like I don't even know, a few years ago now. Feels like forever ago. I know it does feel like forever ago, but I'm grateful for that time because it has brought us to where we are today. So speaking of today, we are chatting about the different types of runs. I wanted to, for a long time, catch up with a professional who could really share some good insight about when to execute on these different types of runs. And before we get into what those are, I think it's first and foremost important to explain that, yes, there are (laughs) different types of runs. So talk to me a little bit about that, Colleen. Yeah, it's funny. I think some people think that I go to the track every single day and just do like all out speed, you know, every day. And other people think that I like run a marathon every day. And so it, there's just, you know, the assumptions are definitely vast and, um, and just maybe exaggerated, but the truth is like, it's somewhere in between and it's different every day. My training, you know, is not the same every day. The stimulus is always changing. Um, I also go to the gym three times a week, you know, and I do some cross training I do some biking and some swimming. So there's just a lot of, a lot of different stuff going on, but I think that's <laughs> the key, you know, that's why it works. If I ran a marathon every day, or if I did sprints every day, it wouldn't work. 
you have to yeah. do you have to do the mi- the mixture. Yeah, definitely. And of course, important to touch on here is that you don't need to be an Olympic athlete to incorporate the different types of running that we're going to break down in today's episode. So first and foremost, another benefit that I think is really good to throw into the mix here when it comes to talking about these different types of runs is that executing on a variety of different types of workouts is going to help you become a more well-rounded athlete. And it's going to help you stave off boredom, which I think as someone who may be going out and just running recreationally for four, five, three, eight miles a day, whatever it is that you want to do, that can be great if that's something that brings you joy. But again, we're talking about diversifying your training, making things a little bit more fun by mixing it up. And of course, staving off boredom, just some general disclaimers before we get into the mix here. Yes. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, if you just have to run five miles every day, that can be a good routine. Like some people really, you know, really like routine, but I think the boredom is, That's real. (laughs) (laughs) It's real. So now let's break into the different types of running. We've got first type of run, base mileage. Talk to me about what base mileage or base runs might look like. So base mileage is the most important part, I would say. Like it's called base mileage for a reason. If you're thinking about your training as a pyramid structure, your base mileage is at the bottom. And so you want a really wide, strong base in order to build a really tall, beautiful pyramid, you know, with the the top of the pyramid being like your race. So the base part is really important and you'll spend a large percentage of your time training doing base mileage. Definitely. So important for injury prevention, important for cardiovascular strength. And it's something that over time, as you are running more and more, your base mileage pace may go down a little bit as you become a stronger athlete. I know for me in 2021, prior to dealing with any of the wonkiness that I'm dealing with, with some knee tendonitis right now, but prior to that, one of my goals was to work on getting really comfortable at a base pace that was closer to eight minutes per mile. Now I know for you, yours is probably much faster than that. And I can also identify with someone who is hovering with a base pace that's much higher. That's at 10 minutes or 11 minutes. When I started running regularly, Mm -hmm. that's certainly a lot closer to what I was messing with. So over time, your base mileage pace may shift, may change. But what's important here Mm -hmm. is that we kind of analyze it on, let's say like a rate of perceived exertion scale. So where would you say, Colleen, that your base mileage should fall on a rate of perceived exertion or an RPE scale? Yeah. So we talking like one to 10 here with 10 being maximal effort. Definitely. So your base should probably be like a comfortable, if walking is like a one or a two, you should be like four to five, I think for your normal run pace. Yeah. I would say four or five, maybe a little over five, but that would be like, you are comfortable here. This is your home. You want to make dinner. Like you're chilling. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe you could get up to six, especially if like, you know, sometimes you just feel really tired or maybe the weather is crappy or something and it could be a little bit harder, but yeah, you don't want to get up to like seven, eight. That's not an easy run anymore. Okay, the next run on deck. Talk to me about why recovery runs are important. Yeah, 
So like for me, I did a recovery run this morning and I had a really hard track session yesterday um, and I have a long run tomorrow. So today is true recovery run day. Knowing what the purpose of the run is, is really important. And sometimes the purpose of the run is like a long run is to stretch myself, push myself, you know, get out of my comfort a little bit. The last few miles are going to suck. And, and so you're okay with that, that you don't use that as a reason to stop. You just realize that that's the purpose of the run. Whereas the purpose of the recovery run is to recover. So if you don't feel like you're recovering, you're not doing it right. <laughs> Right, right. And so from a logistical side of things, recovery runs typically at least one to two minutes slower in pace than what might be your base pace run. So we're definitely taking things down a notch here. If we were saying that your base pace is at an RPE of a five, maybe pushing a six on some days, then your recovery runs should really feel like super breezy. We're talking three, four, enjoyable and not going on forever as if they were a long run. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So we've chatted recovery runs. We've chatted base runs. Oh, one more thing to throw into the recovery run bucket of thoughts you want to keep in mind here is that also you want to Per Colleen's point, you want to feel like you're recovering. The reason why recovery runs are helpful for the body is because you're helping your body push around the lactic acid that has probably accumulated on your muscles. So this active recovery, hence the name recovery run is going to help you to repair that damage that you may have inflicted on your body and put you in a better place to show up the next day or the next day. Absolutely. And sometimes I love talking about active recovery because I think a lot of people think about recovery as like sitting on the couch. And sometimes it does look like that. But sometimes if you sit around all day and like you just feel stiff and like sluggish and slow because you didn't do the active part of recovery. And, and so whether that's maybe it's you know, doing some yoga or getting on the spin bike or getting in the pool, doing some laps, taking a, you know, brisk walk with the dog or something like that. Something that's still active, um, but flushes the legs out a little bit, you know, gets the muscles moving so you don't get too stiff. Um, I think that's going to make people feel better. And it makes me feel better than if I just kind of, you know, like lay around all day. For sure. Okay. So base runs, recovery runs. Now let's talk about tempo runs. Tempo runs, and I've had to define these before when it comes to a lot of the writing that I've done. Experts will tell you that typically speaking, if you have a 5k pace, this tempo run might be, depending on who you talk to, about 30 to 45 seconds slower than your goal pace. So if I'm a runner, I want to run a 5k at an uh, eight minute mile on race day. My tempo run might be me picking up the pace, getting like close toward my racing pace and be something like an 830. Talk to me about what tempo runs look like for you, Colleen. Yeah, that's a great way to explain it. I've also heard that your tempo run should be the maximum you could hold your tempo pace would be for an hour. So if you can hold, if you could hold, you don't typically tempo for an hour, but if you imagine it, like you would max out an hour and that can be tricky to think about sometimes. Cause like when I'm doing tempo, if I thought about that, I'd be like, no way can I hold this for an hour? But it would be like, if you were rate, if that was like your hour 
race pace, you know, the maximum you could hold that would be for an hour all out. Um, so that's another way to think about it. I don't want to be negative, but tempo is my least favorite workout. Yeah. (laughs) It's so hard. Tempo is that spot where you're like, this is uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable. I don't, I'm not like, you know, like all out, but I'm uncomfortable and I just have to stay here for a while Mm. and just embrace that. Uh, you know, discomfort. Whereas like when you're sprinting or when you're running fast, it burns more, the pain is more sharp, but it doesn't last very long. So you're like, I can do this for two minutes, or I can do this for 30 seconds. Whereas for tempo, it's like 20 minutes, 25, 30 minutes of just being uncomfortable, which is hard. Yeah, no, it's definitely hard. And I feel like it probably is super applicable to the mental state of teaching us that we can do hard things, whether or not we're actually lacing up and getting out there and running. I think helpful right now also would be an example of what a tempo workout might look like. So what's an example of a tempo workout, Colleen? Yeah. So tempo workouts are long, but you know, long is a relative word. So for me, Um, tempo either means mile repeats with like 90 seconds between short, short recovery in between. Um, or it means like four miles and then maybe two miles and then maybe another two more miles or something like that. Um, so longer reps, or you can break it up into like break up, you know, six miles into six times a mile, but you keep that recovery between the miles super short. So, you know, one to two minutes in between. Taking a break from today's episode to talk to you about my sponsor, Gooder. Gooder makes no slip, no bounce, all polarized sunglasses. That's right. We're not talking like super dorky looking styles. We're talking super flattering, cute sunnies that are perfect for not just picking up the pace on your next run, but also like wearing to brunch, hitting some shops, doing your weekend thing. Let me tell you, it is such a game changer when you put on a pair of sunglasses that are no budge when you're trying to get active. You become 100% focused on the task at hand instead of worrying if these things are gonna fall off your face. And that is why I love Gooder. Plus, they've got so many super cute styles, including a recently released Wonder Woman collection. They've got an awesome deal for her to listeners. Get $10 off your order today at gooder.com slash hurdle using the code hurdle at checkout. Now, just to note, these glasses start at $25. So $10 off is a legit deal. Again, use code hurdle at checkout at gooder.com slash hurdle to get $10 off your order today. So I think someone listening to this would then ask the question, what's the difference between tempo work and interval work? I would say tempo work is slower than interval work. And usually when I'm doing interval work, I'm thinking of like 3K race pace or maybe between between 1500 and 5k race pace. And so when you're doing tempo, sometimes if you're, if you've been working on race pace stuff, tempo can actually feel really slow at first because it's much more controlled, but you're working on that edge of like your aerobic threshold. Whereas where you're in 
um, in interval work, you're dipping into that anaerobic, you know, anaerobic um, part of your training. And so there's like that kind of fine line, but very big difference between the two because your tempo should be much more controlled and much more, um, you should be able to hold it for much longer. Got you. And I think it's also important to reiterate that because Colleen is a speedy athlete, her tempo runs uh, when she says like, I might do four miles, then two miles, then one mile, that amount of time that she's going to be out there might be the same as if I was to say, I'm going to go out there and do three miles, 1.5 miles and 0.5 miles. So keep in mind that we're talking like time on our feet here. And for someone that is an Olympian of your status, it's going to be a little bit different. For me, a tempo workout example that I did recently was I went out, I warmed up for one mile and then I did 36 minutes at tempo pace. And then I cooled down for another half mile. So really, obviously there are so many different ways that you can get into the mix with this, but these are just some examples to get you started. I know we also just touched on intervals. So let's bring that up to the forefront next interval training just like tempo training can look very different depending on what the day's workout is, whether you're working with a coach, whether you're finding some examples of interval workouts online, oftentimes what we'll see is interval workouts written by either timing or by distance. Distance often super helpful if you have access to a track and an example of an interval workout when you're at a track, Colleen, what does that look like? Hmm. Let's see, maybe one that I'm going to do in the next week is two sets of 1200, 800, 400. So you start your 1200 at a, you know, a certain pace, your 800 is going to be a little bit quicker than that. Maybe like one or two seconds a lap quicker than that. And then your 400 pace should be even quicker than that. Like another second or two for that, you know, lap pace quicker. Um, and you get more time in between. So the fun part here is that you get more recovery and you feel like you have your breath back and you kind of have your legs a little bit before you go into the next rep, which I really like. Um, so you might have, you know, two or three or four minutes between, um, the 1200 and the eight, and then maybe two or three minutes between the 12 and the four. And then you might even have like five or six minutes between, the four and then starting it over again and doing another 12. And so something important here, a question that comes in a lot, I'm sure you get it in your DMs as well, is when someone says something like a workout could be 12 by 400 meters with 90 seconds rest, let's talk about the rest. What are you doing during that time period? Such a good question. Sometimes we do workouts like 20 times 200 off of a hundred meter jog in 30 seconds. That's like my death workout. I hate those, (laughs) but (laughs) yeah. So that means your recovery is as soon as you cross that finish line, you do not stop. You keep jogging at a slower pace, but you, and in our, you know, in our workout and this obviously isn't the same for everyone, but just as an example, we are going to cover the next hundred meters in 30 seconds. And that's your recovery. You're jogging, you know, jogging slower than, you were just running, but you don't stop. And then as soon as you get the hundred in a 30 seconds, you do another 400. Um, but then sometimes if the effort is really hard and you're kind of, you're going faster and say you get three minutes of recovery, 
then I might walk or stand for the first minute and then jog around for the next two minutes to keep my legs moving, like not get stiff, you know, not get cold if it's cold out. Um, but I'm not worried as much there about I have to cover a certain amount of time or distance in a certain amount of time. I'm just kind of staying loose, staying, you know, um, getting recovered, but staying loose for the next rep. Right. So obviously, depending on where you're getting this workout from, if you're working with a coach, if you're finding it online, this uh, training plan or person should articulate whether or not you are just straight up resting or if you're jogging or if you're walking or whatever Mm -hmm. it may be. But obviously, again, a lot of different ways to implement intervals into your training routine. And the last type of run, my favorite type of run when I'm not injured is the long run. Oh, look at you go. I love the long run. You know what I love the long run for? I love it because it's just like that time to zone out and truly forget about everything I feel Mm -hmm. like for me. And it's like a weekend thing. It's like you wake up, you like have a nice little breakfast or (laughs) like something that feels good before you're going to go on the run. And then you get out there and it's just like, for me, it's it's my me time. Now, I think it's important though, for the long run, when we talk about this to get a little specific about the fact that long is also interpretive. So if you are someone that is training for a 5k, then maybe like your long run is actually doing the 5k or practicing for the 5k. Whereas if you're training for a marathon, then your long runs over time will go up from 13 to 14 to 15. And depending on your training plan, sometimes up to 22, 24 miles. Yep. Yeah, it's totally relative. I think a lot of people are surprised that me and my team run. We don't, well, yeah, I don't think we have any marathoners on on the Barman Track Club right now, my former team, but we all do very long runs, like an hour and 45 minutes to two hours, depending on the athlete. Um, So, and that just is, I don't know, the long run is so different. I've seen other people who train for 1500s and steeples who the max long run they'll do is like an hour and 20 or an hour and 30 minutes. And other people in the same event will do two hours for their long run. So there's really no wrong or right way to do it. Because if you're doing like a 20 mile long run, and you're only running like 40 miles a week, might not be the the right balance for you. So it's just so dependent on what your goals are, where you're at, and kind of, yeah, just like what your, where your fitness level is. Definitely. And I think something to keep in mind, and we're not going to dive into this in this episode, but depending on how long you're going out there for, whether you're doing something like an interval workout or you're choosing to do a long run, obviously the different types of runs are going to require different fueling strategies. So that's definitely something to keep in mind and make sure that you're putting the your body in the best possible place to take care of it so that you can keep showing up day in and day out. Yeah. The one thing I do love about the long run is post long run brunch. <laughs> love post long run brunch. <laughs> it's the best part. <laughs> the best part. One other thing to touch on when it comes to the long run is pace here. Again, long run should be pretty much in the base pace zone, I would say. Yeah. What do you say? Yeah, most of the time we just do our long run at, yeah. It starts out maybe feeling kind of easy. Maybe it's a four, you know, after an hour and a half, I'm starting to get into the six. It feels really hard the last couple of miles. You know, it might even get to feel like 
a six or a seven, um, in the last couple miles and that's okay. Um, the other thing is that a lot of people running elite long races will make their long run into a workout. And so they maybe actually drop the tempo in the last, you know, half of their long run, really practicing what a race would look like. Um, you know, where that you don't start out your race at your fastest pace and then drop down or, you know, increase your pace, you would ideally start at a more comfortable pace and break it down and be running your fastest pace at the end. So a lot of people will practice that in their long run as well. Definitely. So this is a loose guide. I say loose because there's a lot of interpretation when it comes to running and a lot of different opportunities you can take to try different things as you go on your own individual journey. But outlining these different types of runs, these different types of workouts, again, it's just meant to give you some insight into what opportunity you have to take advantage of trying new things as a runner and really understanding more about the sport as you get more involved in and on your own journey. Colleen, if you had to pick your favorite run, what's your favorite run? I love speed day. I like when we do workouts that are just, you get all out, like as fast as you can go and you get as much recovery as you need. Um, you put on your spikes and you just, you know, you just fly. That's the most fun for me. What excites you right now when you think about running and the next year to come? Mm, well, honestly, what got me super excited for my first race as an unattached athlete, first race of the 2020 one season, which is now an Olympic year, fingers crossed. Um, I did a fundraiser for an organization local to Phoenix where my race was um, that supports, they have a mentorship program that supports women of color ages 18 to 30 in the Phoenix area. And I raced with a top that said, achieving my purpose on the front of it, which is the name of the organization. Um, and was also very applicable to what I felt like I was doing on the track. And I got a pledge it uh, page going and we raised over $7,000 for the organization, which was really cool and just felt like an amazing way to start the year and just gave me purpose, gave me kind of inspiration and um, really got me kind of excited about the year to come and just the future and feeling like I should be taking this opportunity and using my platform to do this more often. And now I feel like I'm kind of free to be able to do that. And it feels really good. It feels really empowering. I love to hear that. Well, I'm excited to follow along with you as the weeks, the months, the announcements come by yes. and I'm looking forward to hopefully cheering you on come the Olympics this summer. Thank you. I always appreciate the support. Love the pod. I love throwing it on when I'm doing that easy recovery run day. I get listen to my AirPods and uh, have my AirPods in and listen to podcasts and yours is always a good one. So keep it up. Thanks girlfriend. Colleen, how do the hurdlers keep up with you if they're not following you already? Um, my main mode of communication with my followers is definitely Instagram. Um, you can follow me there at steeple squigs for lots of training, cooking, and uh, dog content. <laughs> <laughs> You're clubhousing, right? Oh, I am clubhousing. I'm new to clubhouse, but I'm very excited about it. I am Colleen Quigley on clubhouse and I'm Steeple Squigs on Twitter. I'm over at Emily Abadi and at Hurdle Podcast. Another hurdle conquered.
Catch you guys next time.